0: Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for November 10th, 2022. This is Brian Kirk. The U.S. economy has certainly seen turbulent times in 2022, and the ag economy has not been immune to this, disrupted by geopolitics, weather events, and sharply rising costs for farmers throughout the year. Today, we're going to look closely at recent events that have impacted agricultural commodity prices, with some perspective on key trends for the sector heading into 2023. Joining us today are nationwide Senior Economist, Ben Ayers, and Economist, Daniel Vilhaver, who is our Resident Ag Market Analyst. Daniel, let's start with you. Hurricane Ian hit Florida late September, and we've seen some significant impact from storms in the past. How much crop losses have occurred from Ian, and what kind of market impacts should be expected in the near term?
1: So the University of Florida recently put out a preliminary assessment on the losses and damage caused by Hurricane Ian. The study concluded that there were about 5 million acres of affected farmland with a total value of over $8 billion, and the losses amounted to up to 20% of that value or up to $1.56 billion. Largest losses are expected to come from vegetables and melon crops, but because it's still planting season for a lot of those crops, the final loss numbers will depend in part on how much of the lost crops can be replanted. It's important to note that the study includes in its lost numbers the value of lost production from produce or animal products, but not the value of repairing or replacing damaged infrastructure, lost or deceased animals, damaged or destroyed inputs like farm equipment, fuel, etc or damage or destroyed stored ag goods. So while the $1.56 billion is a devastating loss for Florida agriculture, the total cost could still be much greater. Regarding market impacts in the near term, citrus was the commodity type with the second largest estimated loss, which is unfortunate because we're weeks away from peak citrus harvest season. The USDA's most recent forecast calls for a production of 28 million boxes of Florida oranges this season, which would be the lowest since World War II and down over 30% from last year's production, which was already considered low. Because Florida is such an important producer of citrus, we should expect to see higher citrus prices, particularly for oranges and orange products. Those products would especially include orange juice because oranges used for juice primarily come from Florida. For citrus, the hurricane compounded a pre-existing problem for American citrus production, a disease known as citrus greening, which either kills trees or causes them to bear fruit that is smaller and lower in sugar.
0: Well, thank you, Daniel. Let's stay with you on this next question. You know, we've been talking about the long-standing drought for the West for a while, but now drier conditions have spread to the Midwest and Southeast, and is affecting water levels of the Mississippi. What impacts could this have on supply chains for the ag industry, and how are crop conditions and yields looking amid the worsening drought conditions?
1: Well, you're right. The mighty Mississippi is certainly less mighty than usual right now. Water levels are evidently low enough to have revealed sunken ships. Shipping vessels are being loaded lighter and to avoid literally getting stuck in the mud, and traffic has been more backed up as ships wait to travel down a channel that's narrower than normal. So shipping on the Mississippi is much less efficient, and shipping prices are much higher than normal, but there really aren't any good substitutes. Rail cars and trucks come with their own logistical issues, and they can handle only a fraction of what a barge can, even at reduced capacity. It would take 16 rail cars or 62 semi-trucks to match the shipping prowess of a single barge. So supply chain impacts could be significant but in the short run, it might not affect prices that much. In fact, it's important to note that the Mississippi moves more than half of all U.S. grain exports, and if ag goods can't be exported because they can't make their way down the Mississippi, more will have to be stored. Barring a sudden surge of domestic demand, we could actually see lower price pressures from some ag goods for a time. And most of the goods transported on the Mississippi are primary goods, which are goods used to make other goods. So, Any increase in costs is going to take some time to work its way through to the end consumer, but eventually the higher transportation costs will work their way through, particularly if the lower water levels continue for some time. Unfortunately, the NOAA is currently calling for a warm, dry La Nina winter. As for crop yields, despite high prices, production is down for most crops this year due to one or both lower yields per acre and fewer harvested acres. Some have been resilient, like wheat, where winter wheat production is down, but spring wheat is up and on balance, it's about even year over year.
0: Well, Ben, let's turn to you for this next question about inflation and the rapid inflation we've seen have been felt in the ag community too. This includes several key inputs for ag production that most people don't normally purchase, things like fertilizer and diesel fuel. Can you provide an update on these markets? And what the future may hold for farm costs.
2: Sure. You know, agriculture has really been at the forefront of many of the supply chain issues that we've seen over the past couple of years. There's been a huge run up in operational costs for most farms. You know, think about everything that goes into a farm production, whether it's, you mentioned the fertilizer, it's the seeds, it's the equipment. Um, everything that goes into that, even maintenance of many of the key structures that support farm operations, it's been very difficult to get those key inputs, and it's driving up prices and driving up costs for many farmers. You know, offsetting many of what we've seen has been some much higher prices for many of the crops are getting. In many cases, the actual farm incomes have really been struggling because of the the strong run-up in costs that you've seen, and not the least of which is also labor. It's been very hard for, in the tight labor market for many farm operations to get the amount of labor, and they have to pay a lot more for the workers to bring, bring those folks out to harvest the crop. So it's been a very difficult environment for many farm operations. And as you mentioned, two in particular we're going to highlight have seen some of the largest impacts, especially over the course of this year, have been fertilizer and diesel fuel. And these are things that most people aren't on most people's radars um, as far as most people that don't work in the agricultural industry, but certainly very key inputs within the process, both to increase the yields from a fertilizer standpoint and also obviously getting those goods to market when you think about diesel fuel costs and obviously supporting and and providing the fuel for many of the, the farm equipment that many farmers use. And really both fertilizer and diesel fuel Those prices were going up over the course of 2021, but it really took off in the early stages of this year with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And and we've seen that fertilizer prices have climbed by one to 200% on average. And a lot of this is the natural gas that goes into making many types of the fertilizer And, and nitrogen natural gas prices continue to be very high and haven't come down much over the course of this year given the continued conflict there and the continued pressure that we're seeing on both the natural gas market because of how much that russia produces and how much we've seen bans on being able to export and import those kind of products across the globe both within western europe but also here in the us where we've cut off those ties trade-wise with russia given the conflict of what's going on in ukraine Um, diesel fuel very similar environment yet again prices were already going up um, but then they spiked above five dollars a gallon um, for for most diesel fuel costs in in late february early march around the time that russia invaded ukraine and they stayed there stayed fluctuate around a little bit but still the average price of diesel fuel is about five dollars and thirty cents per gallon and again this is putting a lot of pressure on farmers and a lot of pressure on the transportation systems that support farmers and we're continuing to see that we're not getting the amount of supply both because of what's going on in eastern europe but also here what's going on in the u.s Uh, refinery capabilities have been limited over the course of covid and we haven't been able to ramp up the refining capabilities particularly for diesel fuel especially given the big emphasis on what's going on for regular unleaded gasoline and trying to pump out as much of that to keep those prices down for regular consumers and so because of that we've seen that diesel fuel prices have remained very high and likely to remain so. the The, the Energy uh, EIA projects that de- national diesel prices will remain a little bit about five dollars per gallon over the fourth quarter. Maybe seeing some declines over the course of 2023, um, but still probably by the end of next year within that four dollars to four fifty per gallon price range, which is well elevated compared to pre-COVID levels and continues to put a lot of price pressure on farm operations and really the entire ag sector in general.
0: Well, thanks, Ben. I know you mentioned uh, exports and imports there. Daniel, let me ask this question to you about international trade. You know, international trade's always been an important component of the ag sector. And there's been some wavering in Russia's support of the Black Sea Grain Initiative. Where does that deal stand right now? And what impact what well, they have on crop supplies?
1: Yeah, so this was a bit of a fluid situation at the beginning of the month. The background is Russia temporarily pulled its support of a Black Sea Grain initiative after accusing Ukrainian drones of attacking a Russian fleet of civilian vessels inside a safety corridor in late October. Russia claims the attack was done using maritime drones and suggested they could have been launched from vessels chartered to export food from Ukrainian ports. Ukraine neither confirmed nor denied responsibility for the attack, but regardless of their responsibility, on November 1st, Russia released a statement indicating that the necessary written guarantees of safety from Ukraine had been received, and they agreed to resume implementation of the initiative. Without Russia's continued support of the initiative, serious concerns would arise regarding food scarcity for the countries which import heavily from Ukraine. More specifically, the possibility of famine in places like East Africa and Somalia rises. Fortunately, for the sake of world food supply, it seems their, suppo- their support of the deal was merely suspended rather than withdrawn. For now, at least, the deal has continued as it was before. Domestically, if for whatever reason, shipments from the Black Sea Seaport slowed or stopped, we'd be looking for the prices of wheat, corn, and sunflower products to climb, as Ukraine is a significant exporter of those goods, among some others.
0: Let's add all this up for ag prices, where we've seen food costs go up sharply for you know consumers. Uh, where do the prices of ag commodities stand right now?
1: Well, we've actually seen prices of ag commodities come down from record highs we saw earlier this summer. The latest ag barometer from the University of Purdue, which is intended to broadly measure sentiment of ag producers in the U.S., was lower in large part because of worsening sentiment due to falling prices. It should be noted, however, that prices are still very high in an absolute sense. The lower sentiment comes from the fact that input prices are not falling along with the commodity prices themselves, so margins are getting tighter. Ben, could you walk us through some of the estimates for the prices in the next year?
2: Yeah, can do. You know, it's. uh, I'll add the caveat on the start of any forecast that we would put out. There's obviously a lot of cross currents here. Certainly weather is a continued big factor. We've talked about that. Geopolitics and international events continue to change week to week, month to month, and have had a big impact on this. So obviously any sort of forecast that we would reference or look at can obviously change a lot over the next year. But I will point out, the latest USDA report, the WASDE reports we just got a couple of days ago, showed that, you know, prices over the next year for many commodities likely to remain pretty close to where they are right now. You know, estimates for corn show about 680 per bushel over the course of 2023 Um, we see that chicken and livestock prices should remain relatively close to where they are right now as well so kind of an upside downside here i would say you know on, on, on the upside that means that not likely to see prices continue to rise and that's really been what's happened over the past two years is that many of these costs you know went up substantially and there's big concern that maybe we even see higher prices going forward. It looks like most estimates right now don't show that. Um, But on the downside probably shows there's not going to be much price relief from where we are right now. So when you think about what we're paying for food or we're paying at grocery stores, likely going to be about the same a year from now than as, as it is right now. That's certainly, again, that's an improvement from what we've seen over the past two years where we continue to see that prices can go up and up and up. It looks like hopefully we're at the peak of that but probably not much relief when you look at food costs going forward, probably just more of the same what we're seeing right now, which hopefully if we see incomes come up and we see some more improved economic activity, um, that will help to balance that out, but certainly not easy for many folks who are already struggling to pay for that food cost that we see across the economy.
0: Well, thank you, Ben. Also, thank you, Daniel. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up there today. Great job, guys. Hey, join us next week as we get an outlook on holiday retail spending make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified as soon as the next episode is released. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide, and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2022, Nationwide.